This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everything that anybody says in this podcast is the opinion of that person individually, not of the company or companies that have hired them. This is personal conversation, not officially representing any other entities outside of this podcast. And if you are one of those companies that has employed the people speaking today, give them a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. My name is Stan Prokopenko, and I got my co-host. Marshall Vandruff. I'm here, too. We have a new format type for you guys today. We're trying yeah. this out, and uh, let us know if you want to do more like this. Um, basically, what we're doing is we invited four concept artists, and each of them is going to talk about the same thing, which is what it's like to be a concept artist kind of tell us about their day-to-day, -day, what they like and what they don't like about their job. And the whole point of the series is going to be, if you're not sure what you want to do, you're not sure if you want to get into illustration, animation, concept art, whatever it is, you're not really sure this series, if it becomes a series, will, will kind of give you a little inside look at each of these little parts of the industry and help you decide what you want to do. And maybe change your mind as to... No, I really don't want to be a concept artist. It's <laughs> kind of what happened to me, remember, with animation. Yeah. Marshall, tell them about our guests today. We have four guests today. Armand Serrano, concept artist. Christina Cornett, concept artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get the, Ballet. the, the <laughs> pattern. I, I wasn't I wanted to carry through with Patrick <laughs> Ballesteros, concept artist, and Kirsten Zerngibble. Concept artist. Yeah, 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 that's... How'd I, I think, do? I think they understood the concept artist part of it. Now, not all of them are full-time concept artists though, right? Some of them do other right. things as well. There's two ways that it goes. Mm -hmm. Concept artists can be freelancers where they don't have a regular job. They work on a job at a time and sometimes they become in-house. Mm -hmm. Christina is now in-house for a game company. It can change back and forth depending on life circumstances. But yeah. what we hope to do is, as Stan mentioned, if you said, I think I want to be a concept artist because they're like the rock stars of the art industry. Their work gets printed in books. They make the direction of the movie or the game or the theme park look the way it's going to look. If you're saying, I'd like to do that. This will answer some questions and show you whether you really do want to do that. It's not as glamorous a job as it appears from the outside sometimes. And we'll hear it from real people. So, our first guest is Patrick. What's up, man? Hello. Good to see both of you. <laughs> Good to see you too. Patrick, how are you feeling without all these conventions? Because you go to a lot of conventions, right, before all this stuff happened? Yeah. yeah, I did about three or four per year, a lot of yeah. the larger ones. So, it is a bit of a change. 
I think when everything first went down, it was just that nervous feeling of, oh, yeah. <laughs> what am oh, I going to do? Oh, dude, what's going on? Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think now though, it's kind of like you just go with the flow. And since everything's online and since I had an online store, I've been lucky enough that mm. a lot of people are still supporting, which is, uh, right. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was just like, okay, a little bit, a little bit of relief there. For those of you who don't know, if you go to the Comic-Con or WonderCon or any one of the other cons, you can always find Patrick. You just look around for where there's a really long yeah. line of people <laughs> who are all waiting to meet him. and You, you just... can find him, but you'll have to wait an hour right. to, yeah. to, to yeah. see him. Just come up to the front with Stan Marshall. I will always... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I always sneak up into the front. I'm like, screw this. I'm not waiting. <laughs> So we, we're basically what we're doing, we're talking to concept artists and we're trying to give new concept artists who are about to enter the space kind of a general feeling and a general idea of what it's like, the good things, the bad things, what's the day to day, what is it like to be a concept artist? So yeah. let, let's start with that first one. Like what's your day to day? Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 before, before <laughs> that, uh, Patrick, you are more than a concept artist, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, I do pretty much anything and everything thrown my way. Uh, He's also a, a celebrity. No. I, Part time celebrity. Being, by being on here, yes, now I am. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I do illustration, toy design, things like that. Concept artist is one of the hats I wear, instructor, educator. So I try not to put all my eggs in one basket, basically, is what I'm saying. So. Yeah. And did you set out to be any one of those things? Uh, I first met you in what, 2003, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I think mainly I wanted to be a concept artist slash character okay. designer primarily. Uh, uh -huh. I think that was the goal I had. But I think a lot of people were saying my stuff was just too cartoony and it didn't fit. And so that's where I had to kind of figure out how to navigate that space and curate my portfolio to show that I could do concept art and design and things like that. So, And yeah. so was that happening while you were a student then? Yeah, and that's actually where I met Stan back at yeah. school. We, we both studied together to, yeah. for like five to, years, right? We were we were students mm -hmm. together five years, yeah. Pretty much. Right. And then yeah. I moved yeah. to LA uh, because that's pretty much where all of like the main entertainment designers were and uh -huh. just started taking classes up there. And that's kind of where I started to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do to be a designer type of thing. This is what I need to do, the mindset uh, in regards to like getting into that concept art world. But it took a while. I mean, there was a lot of just like bad portfolios thrown out there. Like how, how long? Uh, I would say I was doing like odd and ends, like little jobs here and there. Probably when I left San Diego, it was around 2005 or six or seven. And then I don't think I started, I started doing like regular freelance concept jobs. I would say three years later. What's your day to day like? What is it like to be a concept artist? It just depends on uh, what project you're working on, what's given to you. There Sometimes there are milestones set that you have to meet and that they're asking for, okay, when can you turn this in? For myself, I primarily did a lot of freelance contract work. Um, every once in a while, I'd be in-house for short contracts, like three months, four months, five months. And even then, it depends on what phase of the project you're brought in. So if you're brought in early, like that blue sky phase, you're just having fun. You're just throwing whatever out there. They just said, just think about stuff. You do some characters, do some things, and you're working hand in hand with an art director. But if you come and all that's already established, then you're pretty much in production mode. They have a look, a style develop. Mm -hmm. And that's when your day-to-day -day tasks do change and vary depending on who needs what. Um, and again, that's dependent on like budget and schedule. But I would say a typical day, 
is definitely set by production needs. Um, that's the main thing I would say. And so you could be doing anything super fun, like, yeah, I'm doing these awesome character designs. This is great. And then you could be doing turnarounds, which you're like, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is just draining me, but someone has to do it and you're yeah. there. So you got to do it. And it's it. turnarounds of someone else's concepts. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Every every once in a while, it, it will be of yours. Uh, yeah. Last time I was on a project and yeah, we did turnarounds of our concepts, but every once in a while you'd be getting this artwork. You'd be like, oh man, I got to visualize this, turn this around. Ah, dang it. So I guess that you don't like turnarounds, even if they're your own, <laughs> as much as you like another I, part of this. It's it's just the technical aspect of it. And I think I've grown to get used to them and actually start to enjoy them now. Yeah. But I think early on in my career, I just saw it as, oh, this is like, this is too much math. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. Tell us, maybe choose a project that you like and kind of lead us through step-by-step of you starting the project and then getting revisions on it, changing it. So, just like an example that students can imagine going through with you. Um, So, there's one project that I worked with. It was a company in Singapore and I had worked with them before. I met them through uh, a lot of, from local friends here, actually from Watts. It was a student that went there also. And they had me take a look at a lot of their initial concepts that they had, like, oh, we have this uh, gorilla, we have this imp, and we want you to do your take on it. And they would give me notes. They say, we, here's a, a bunch of reference sheets that we want you to look at and get inspiration from. And so I would get all that, put it together, and pretty much throw them a bunch of thumbnails for different sets of characters. And from there, it would be basically, yeah, we like A and B. We like the head of A, the body of B, the legs of C. And they would basically make a Frankenstein out of your work. Sometimes you'll get them to pick just one whole image. But most of the times it is like you're Frankensteining everything because that's what they see. That's what they like. And that's uh, a, a little bit of back and forth. Also being able to explain a little bit of your design so that what I would do is I would do a big mock-up of the character and then even before they asked me, I would get like screenshots of different textures of like just photos and stuff and say, it would be the texture of this. It would have the personality of this character. It would move like this character in this movie just to give them uh, touchstones that they can go, oh, okay, now I see where your concept's coming from. Because one of the issues, uh, language wasn't an issue. It was just mainly I wasn't there to like act it out and explain it to them. <laughs> so I had to use different tools so that when I sent it to them, they got the full idea and then when they give me notes, it'd be like, okay, cool. Let's just do this. Let's just tweak that. In that blue sky stage, you can send them like images you found on Google, right? Copyright's not an issue. It's as long as you're like getting the message across. It's like, it's kind of like this texture that I got from this random yeah. site is, um, and obviously that doesn't end up in any, you know, as your exactly. actual concept designs, but yes. it's just like presenting an idea quickly. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's the, the hard part just to be careful of is that they don't get stuck on it and that you don't get stuck on it so that you mm. end up trying to use that and corporate. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's not ours. I was just like, just to get to you a feel. <laughs> yeah. but luckily, none of that happened and uh, everything worked out. But yeah. Okay. So then tell us about your favorite parts of the job. Why, why do you like being a concept artist? Uh, I think one of the best parts about being a concept artist is there are just so many different projects out there being thrown out and thrown at you at times. Uh, And it's great. It's exhilarating because it's something new and different. It's like you're coming up with your own story each and every time you get a project. Of course, there's a brief and there's something given to you. But I think that's part of the excitement is doing something that is, I wouldn't say 
in your wheelhouse, but something that you wouldn't touch upon. Like you wouldn't think about doing it. Like, oh, I never thought about doing that type of creature before. Oh, wow, that's a, a really interesting twist on a princess, you know, things like that. Uh, and I find that that's really cool because as a concept artist, you're a problem solver. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of students, they fall into that trap of like, oh, I'm going to make these pretty pictures. It's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be, you know, roses and stuff. And part of it is, yeah, making sure that your image communicates. But first and foremost, you're a problem solver, whether it be for a company or uh, one client or an art director, you're hired to come up with solutions and not just one, but different solutions. And at first, I was a bit intimidated at that. But then as you start to do these things, you rehearse and you rehearse that confidence and your vocabulary for coming up with design solutions gets better. And I feel that as you get older, yeah, you have some tricks to rely upon, but it just keeps you fresh and keeps you thinking so that you keep going forward and hopefully don't go back too much. What other skills do people need to be, make sure they have in order to be a good concept artist? Like if, if I were to reevaluate myself, mm -hmm. I'm evaluating my portfolio, what do I got to make sure I'm good at? My answer will probably be debatable, but in all honesty, <laughs> and it, it ties in back to the name of the, of the podcast, I believe you have to be a good draft person. <laughs> oh. <draftsman>, draft <laughs> and I think that's the number one thing is even just from the simplest sketch to something fully blown out. Yeah, there's tools, there's uh, all these 3D software, Blender, things like that to expedite the process. But I still think it still comes down to pencil, paper, that can you get your idea out? Can you do a simple sketch and then bring that to life? And it may sound silly, like I said, with, with technology and how it is, but I found that a lot of the, uh, not all concept artists, but quite a few concept artists that I've met, the strong draftsmen, have this design quality to them that just stands out above the rest. Hmm. Okay. Good answer. Yeah. I, 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 it doesn't surprise me. I do understand. It's knowing how to play an instrument and mm -hmm. improvise and, and transpose without having to stop and have an, a machine do it for you. Yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely, I wouldn't say like you have to just be traditional, no digital, traditional, but even in digital, that draftsmanship still has to be there. You still have to, you could see it. I mean, you could see and someone can draw, someone can't draw. If someone excels at just taking that little sketch and blowing it up, or you could see like, oh, okay, what's going on here? What's the idea? What's the form? So just little now, things like that. Especially with your work, Patrick, this is something that I, I've wanted to ask you, that you've got a style that is so evidently your style, a line quality. How much does that influence a project when you're a concept artist. It obviously does when you're buying the actual drawing. But when you're presenting ideas, how does your drawing style affect a project or does it? It depends on the project. Art directors that have hired me specifically because of my look. So they said like, oh, we give a client a list of these character designs, uh, samples of different artists and they gravitate towards yours. So do what you do, but apply it to this character. I'm like, okay. Cool, fine. Great. But there are others that have, are attracted to uh, my style and say, oh, okay, I see that you could do this, but can you do <laughs> like this pen and ink style, kind of like this old uh, children's book illustrator? And be like, okay, well, let me try it out. Okay, let me try it. And then, yeah, I, I show them that I could do it and boom. So I think if you're showing that you're competent and, and that you have that confidence to be able to jump 
to different styles and you do it with a lot of expertise, then I think, you know, that's basically, you know, how they start to see like, oh, you're known for that, but oh, okay, I can give you this project and I can give you this project and let's see if you could do that. It opens up a bit more possibilities. So, But with concept art, your art is not the final product. No. They have to take yeah. it and turn it into something else, mm -hmm. which that can be a number of different things. What are the kind of things you get hired to do concept art for as far as what the end product is? Games, animation, uh, theme parks? Me primarily, uh, it had to do more with games and then some animation. And mm -hmm. so, that could be anything from character design, which I love doing, but then I also was doing like some set design or some prop design, things like that. They would give me uh, just like screenshots of like, oh yeah, here are some gems in the game. You know, how do these look to you? I'm like, what gems? What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and then I just look at it. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it looks a little flat. Let's add a little bit more like pizzazz to it. Let's mm -hmm. and uh, just doing little things like that. Uh, so in regards to like the end product, I think the end product is dependent on the type of style that they've established and that they're communicating to you. And I think that's where it has to be very clear that have a strong voice that gets you noticed. But when you're in that setting and when you're creating a project altogether, you have to know when to make that voice louder and when to make that voice softer. Mm -hmm. And that's what will help you kind of in, in that situation. It makes sense that you would do stuff for games and animation. Have you done stuff for live action at all? In live action... Yeah, I've actually designed props like boxes. <laughs> Some silly boxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually uh, it was for a reality TV show. The the uh -huh. pr production company came to me because I did storyboards and stuff for them, and they said, "Yeah, we we they're what the scenario is is they're dropping off these boxes full of cameras to this crew, and it's like a survival theme type thing." And uh, they don't know what the boxes are going to look like. So they want to be techie, kind of like Star Wars, but a little bit more industrial. So uh, give us some ideas. I'm like, what? Boxes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the yeah, boxes so need to have character to them. They have to they, need they, character. So yeah. I was looking at Star Wars. I was putting cut lines of Star Wars in there and things like that. That's one of the things for live action. Other live action things, mainly, I would say more illustration work. The last one I worked on was Alice Through the Looking Glass. And I did like a lot of the end credit illustrations that they animated and moved. So yeah. a lot of the concepts were already established. Again, that's where they told me, can you match the style? And I said, yeah, sure. And I matched it. What do you not like about the job? Uh, crunch, just like anyone else, the crunch. Um, I, I think there are some times where it just takes an unhealthy toll and sets mm. up unhealthy expectations that you may unfortunately carry over, not just to another project, but into your own work. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'd say it's just being very, very careful of that and realizing that, you know, crunch in industries, it happens, but you don't want that to become like a norm, like yeah. part, of, part of your work right. routine, that's bad. They all of a sudden you start working really quickly on your own personal stuff just because yeah. you're used to yeah. these crazy deadlines. Or, or you get down on yourself quickly because like, oh, I had two hours in. I didn't turn it out. What the? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're still thinking about it. It's just, that's unrealistic to say that in two hours, I'm going to create a masterpiece because that's all yeah. I have today. Well, yeah. What is a typical deadline or an, an impossible one? Can you give us any examples of ones that were so difficult that they were next to impossible? Yeah, I think there was one where I had to churn out like 
eight characters, like three variations each uh, within a week. And it doesn't sound impossible, but at the same time, I was working a full-time, like 10 to six in-house studio game gig. And I was doing that at night. And this is when I was younger, I had energy. I could not do that now. Uh, But I would basically work 10 to six. And then at night I would work basically like seven to 11 to 12, even later Mm -hmm. sometimes. Uh, just to meet that deadline. And after, that was like the last time I, I, I did something that back to back just because that was uh, a bit more than I could chew. But it was just more like, no, I could do it. I, I don't need to. I don't need to sleep. It's like, oh, <laughs> I don't need to sleep. Anything else that you could tell people coming in to be prepared for? Don't be attached to the art. It's, it's hard not to, but you have to because... Someone is going to tell you, like, I don't like that. And you'd be like, what? What do you mean you don't like? I just spent like a, I just spent the whole week on it. It's like, they don't care. It's, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if people are adjusting how they deliver it, but there are just some people that know how to deliver it and explain it to you where you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then there are, there are other people that'll just be like, no, nah, I don't like it. And you have to figure it out. You have uh, to figure out why they don't like it and then yeah. change it to them, yeah. for them to like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they'll yeah. tell you, but then in your, in your heart, you're like, why don't they like it? I put so much work into it. It's why like, don't they like me? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it becomes personal. Exactly. It, it feels like, oh, you don't like me? What? I thought we were friends. We just had lunch. It's like, no, nah, it's not about <laughs> just that. It's just, it doesn't work for the project. So you just got to yeah. realize that. It seems like that's actually like, specifically for concept art that's extremely important because your job is to create a bunch of ideas probably and create concepts to choose from yeah, yeah. right and and you literally have to mm-hmm. be able to just like create something and throw it away and create another one and throw it away until you've explored all the options right yep and i think that it teaches you good habits in regards to when it comes to your own work it allows you to like, okay, well, that I, there's something about that pose I don't like. Let me retry that again. And, and you just end up with like just all these different sketches and versions. And uh, I find that pretty liberating. Sometimes it can be like a little overwhelming, like, oh, I did just 20 pages. Maybe that's a little overkill. But other times I, I find that it, it helps me not only with my own work, but also when I'm explaining and talking to other students, like saying, no, you have to go through this because that is part of the exploration process that's going to be asked of you. How often is that the first concept, the one you end up using? And how often is it like the eighth one that ends up being the best? More often, it, it happens to be the one you don't want them to use. Oh. The one <laughs> okay. and, and everyone says that, but it's true. You're like, oh, I'm going to put this one to the side in the corner. And they're like, oh, yeah, that one over there, that's hiding. I like that one. It's like, oh. No. So is it better to just not even show them the one you don't like? Uh, or- sometimes... Sometimes I don't, uh, though, that what I, after so many times of doing this stuff, whenever I give lineups and submit designs, pretty much I'm putting a design up there that if they pick any one of them, I'm cool doing each one of them yeah. and I'm safe that way. Yeah. Uh, cause before I would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to put this one really rendered this one kind of black and white eh, in the middle. Oh no, this one in the middle, I want them to pick and try to be sneaky. And sometimes it would work, but then other times you just shoot yourself in the foot and you're like, because they'll choose the one you don't want. Yep. Usually. Usually. You're like, why did you pick that one? It's like, Isn't well, you that a been. phenomenon? 
Do you try to explain to them that, like, hey, hey this one sucks. This, this one's better. I think that makes you look bad. And it makes yeah. you know, why'd you put it there? It's like, well, because my bad. Yeah. No, no. Okay. If a student wants to become a concept artist, though, they've got to embrace early on that most of the work will be rejected. Yeah. It's just part of it, isn't it? And that's what, uh, being an educator now, you can start to see a lot of the personality in students and and not just like I'm typecasting them, but there are students that are very receptive, very open. And there are students that are combative, you know, more mm -hmm. extreme, some more extreme than others are like questioning, which is fine to question. Like we all talk about, there's many ways to do something. But for me, especially if I'm recommending someone or I, I think back to when I was a concept artist, what helped me? and being open, asking questions, but in a way where I'm not trying to undermine someone, but really just trying to figure out, okay, what is it that you want? I try to look for that quality in other students now and, and try to convey that to people trying to get in the industry saying that, be curious, but you have to be a little bit empathetic to that art director in regards to they have a job. They're trying to find a, they're trying to find a style. They're trying to make this project take off so that everyone gets paid. So you can't take it to heart when they say that's not working or like that is just not it. Do something else. It's like, okay. Yeah. And that's where that you have to have that communication if you can. Yeah. Do you teach regularly? I do. I do. I how, do. Do, how do people study with you? Uh, right now, everything's online. The uh, Concept Design Academy or mm -hmm. uh, CGMA, Computer okay. Graphics Master Academy. Um, and then I think later on, I might be doing some, some more uh, like character design stuff for fun. Yeah. Uh, but those are the two nice. main places I've been teaching for the past uh, few years. Do you mm -hmm. teach like um, small workshop type classes where you you got a group of students and you do live courses and then you critique them? Or is it that you make pro like a video course and you release it and people buy it and watch it? So the one for Concept Design Academy, that is actually uh, a four-hour in-person class. Now it's four mm -hmm. hours online. The one with CGMA is actually pre-recorded, but I meet with them once a week. Okay, so they watch your video lesson and then they actually meet with you to uh -huh. get a critique. Nice. They get a critique. Cool. And then the other workshops, it's usually I'm invited out and I do those in person and I look at student work and things like that. So, Patrick, this was a this was a good interview. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks no, so thank much, you man. Too. Really appreciate it. Okay. Of course. <laughs> Take care. Hi, Christina. Uh, hi, Christina. How are you? Hi, Marshall. Hi, Stan. Nice to meet you. Christina was my student starting around 2011 at the junior college. She is now a full-time concept artist in where? Where are you? I'm in Maryland now. I'm a concept artist at ZeniMax Online Studios. Well, we want to hear what your daily job is like as a concept artist because you didn't get started with this company. You got started doing freelance concept art. I'd like to hear what the difference is between the stuff you do now and what you do when you do freelance work. It's kind of like how you learn in school, the process that we learned. You know, you get research, you get a brief, you go and you get some reference, you do some sketches, you continue with the process as much as they would like to iterate and reiterate. Um, it just kind of depends on what you're doing, how big the task is and how small. Sometimes I'll do assessments. I'll do written assessments of things. What is an assessment? Something that we may want to put in or may not want to put in. And I'll have to write out and also illustrate uh, artistically 
um, using concept art skills, how that might work in our favor or how it might not, or where the line is blurry and some people may need to make some decisions that may not be me, but I'm the one who is presenting that assessment, that particular assessment. How much of your time are you spending on doing like rough sketches and just kind of exploring ideas? And how much of it is more of like, okay, you kind of know where it's going and now you have to do more a more refined drawing to just show it better to other people? Some of that actually depends on the art director. He might have something in mind specifically that he would like to have done. And in that case, I try as best I can to get his vision of what he would like to see me do. And in that case, there may be less iteration, maybe less sketching. But if it's more free form, then I could spend, you know, longer. It could be a week. It just kind of depends what Mm. the prompt is. How much of it is digital? Is it all digital? Yes. (laughs) Um, Oh. (laughs) Pretty much all digital. Even the little, just the doodle sketches scribble stuff when you're just like, just getting quick ideas out of your head. Yeah. Um, there's, there are thumbnails and then there are pre thumbnails or I guess thumbnail thumbnails. I don't know what you would call them, but (laughs) scribbles. Yeah. Sometimes I will write those down or draw those down, um, outside of what I'm doing just to make sure I have my idea documented. When we were in the studio, I would definitely use paper more. Um, but Mm. it's just easier to get something out quickly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so it's more digital now just because you have to share everything digitally with your team instead of showing them your sketchbook. Actually, sometimes I would work traditionally, but it did depend on what I was doing. But you do mm. make a really valid point. So, yeah, I would say generally that's mm-hmm. the case. What is your uh, official title? Just concept artist. And are you working <laughs> Do you on- have a business card? <laughs> yeah, right. Is it official? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so by now. <laughs> <laughs> the business card. Thing. Yeah, that's the only way you can make it official is print it out on a business card. Yeah, ask for a company <laughs> company official one. Yeah. You started out doing some freelance jobs. And so those were were those on your own territory in your own studio or did you go into work at companies when you did those? I actually worked from home most of the time. Um there were a couple weeks where they brought me in. They brought me into Santa Monica to work there at the studio for a couple weeks. So they I just stayed in a hotel. What were you doing? I mean if it's a couple weeks and it's that important to take out the commuting time, what is it you're doing every day? Those must have been packed days. They were, yeah. They actually wanted me there so they could communicate a lot more quickly with me because it was an advertising and that stuff goes really quickly. So I would be doing mm-hmm. paintings maybe within an hour, like a keyframe shot to get feedback on and send it uh, back to the creative director. A keyframe shot of what? So this was when I was doing commercials. Um, I'm mostly referencing my first job, which was on a Target commercial. And when I went there, it was a keyframe for the major components of the shot. So for example, if we were working on uh, a Thanksgiving scene, then it would need to have food and plates. And there were these kids that were going down this um, cornucopia and I needed to paint a bunch of food in there because there was actually somebody who created all of the props for for the commercial. And she was sitting next to me saying, oh, I think we could have some um, turkey in there. And so I would draw some turkey while she was watching. It was just some really fast stuff with someone over my shoulder all the time. And that's, uh, is that 
uh, really fast stuff partly because it was for a commercial and these things had to be put out by holiday time, if I recall. Yeah. The the production time, I think we were – we might have been doing it back in October or even earlier, but yeah, the, it was pretty quick for a turnaround. Didn't it have all sorts of IPs, protected properties that had to get permissions while you were working on it so that everything was sort of in the air? And decisions were being made while you were constantly cranking out what it could look like. Yeah, I, I put in a lot of characters that they were hoping <laughs> to get the rights to. I'm not quite sure how it worked, but sometimes there were ones that didn't show up for whatever reason in the final commercial. Yeah. Maybe they just took them out or maybe there was a rights issue. How long was the whole job? It was a smaller span of time for the beginning because it was a pitch at first. The director was working for a company and they were invited to pitch to Target. And I was a part of their pitch. And other artists and other directors were taking part in other pitches to Target as well. And Target would select one of them. So, we would start off with our pitch, which was a couple weeks maybe. I'm not too sure, but it's a shorter span of time. And when they selected us, we came back with more work. And that was over the span of a few months. Yeah. And was that one of your first freelance jobs? <laughs> Yeah, that was my first one. Target Holiday Odyssey, I think it was called. I mean, you were a student. You said you were taking classes at the time and, and then you just you got a Target concept art job. <laughs> it's like it's like a dream. What? How did that happen? It was a dream first job. Um, I got very lucky. Patrick Ballesteros, actually, oh. he got me okay. the job. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I had met him through Phil Dimitriotis. He had invited Patrick over a couple times to our college. I went to Fullerton Junior College. So, I, I took that class. I worked really hard. I really put a lot of effort into it. And at the end, he said, does anyone have a business card on you? It's always important to have a business card. And I actually <laughs> had one on me. So, <laughs> I don't know why because I, I, I think it was- And it had the word concept artist on it. <laughs> Christina, concept I, I artist. Said, Here's my card. <laughs> Yeah, it said it said either concept art or student, which is not great because I was oh, yeah no, I couldn't don't call put that myself. On a business card. Yeah, it was it was an awful card, um, but I gave it to him. Here's my business card, Christina. Not ready for a job, still studying. <laughs> it might have been my better business card, but it probably wasn't. I'm just gonna own up oh. to that. But, uh. but um, yeah, he. He ended up contacting me some months later, um, and I never expected anything from it. I was really surprised to hear from him one day. Mm. What is your favorite part of the job? There's so many things I, that I like about it in the sense that I get to do art for a living. I know a lot of people say that, but it's true. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I love that part of it. I love getting to design things that I might eventually see. Uh, happen and for other people to experience outside the company. That's a really cool thing. Okay, what's your least favorite part about the yeah, job? Yeah, that's the daring question. <laughs> I don't want to say least favorite, but there's a social aspect of communicating that you kind of have to have to be able to relate your ideas to people. And sometimes you might do it better at one time and you might do it worse at one time. And so, there's this, all, there's this balancing act and a lot of it is you're in your head and you're like, oh God, am I not communicating this well? Or, you know, how can I do it better? And so, there's a lot of self-critique and self-bashing for me sometimes, yeah. but I try not to. So, I think being in my own head for some of those times is what I, what I find hard about it. 
Christina, <laughs> thank you for being with us. And you know that I admire your work and you. Thank you for contributing to what we've done here. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Marshall. Hey, Hi, Stan. Armin. Nice to Good to you. see you. How are you? Good to see you, too. Have you ever met Stan? Uh, I know Stan. I know of Stan, but mm -hmm. we haven't met personally. We have not met. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Armin. Yeah, uh, Stan, I met Armand through Vance Kovacs. But even if I had not met Armin through Vance Kovacs, I would have known of Armin because he is a very active concept artist in the movie industry and the game industry. Is that correct, Armin? Yes, on both sides. Yeah, but mostly animation. When I was doing research for this episode, I typed in Google like top concept artists and mm -hmm. Google has like this, this row of profile pictures of all the top concept artists and you were in there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you were in like the top top 20 or something. So, for sure, you're the guy to talk to. <laughs> yeah. You know what that is? Uh, why is that? Because what? I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just old. There's a lot of old concept artists. <laughs> yeah. What is it like uh, to be a concept artist? What do you do on a regular mm -hmm. basis? So, for the people that are just starting out and they want to get your job, tell them what it's like. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, we can imagine the words from a script, a story, uh, or a treatment that, you know, a, anywhere from one page to a hundred page treatment of a story. Uh, these words come to life and become um, realized. And the first people who do that are the visual development artists. So just taking the word into something that can be seen by everybody. I think for me, that's always exciting because there's also a big factor of uh, that not many people would know. But in the real world experience of visual development, it's cracking a code. Right. It's not like the first drawing. It is. Oh, that's the one. A few times it happens that it's a home run. And it's like once the director saw something. Oh, yeah, that exactly. Let's keep it. And that translates up to the end. But for the most part, 90 percent of the time, it's an evolution. Uh, and that evolution of design, it's not a matter of right and wrong, but it's a matter of what works and what doesn't work. So, and there are some design ideas that you have to draw it, you have to paint it for us to see it. And that's the only time that we can eliminate it. Um, you know, words, sometimes it's not enough to describe it. It has to be realized. So anyway, that for me is the greatest feeling, you know, in visual development when I struggled on one design. This is not, still not working, trying to work, trying to make work. You know, you're trying to discover light bulb or something. It's similar to that experience that you eliminated 10 other, 100 other possibilities. Then once you crack the code that this is it, this is the design, this is a fresh idea. And, you know, the feeling in that is uh, exhilarating for me. You know, that's what makes me uh, satisfied in my job. Can you tell us about how much of it goes from 
dealing with people in conference where you're having conversations about the direction and then you disappear for a bit and work on it and then come back and have another discussion. The dynamic between what you do alone and what you do with people, how does that break down throughout a day? If an artist gets, um, if he gets picked for the job, there's this, what we call a launch. The production designer, the art director, and the directors, they will launch the VizDev artist. So they will pitch the story. They will pitch whatever has been done before that's relevant to, let's say, a particular scenario that you have to develop, right? Of course, the producer will say, oh, okay, we'll give you this amount of time. Uh, and it's always reasonable, at least for, uh, for all, from all the students I work for, when, whenever they give you that time, and this is always the question of my students, is how much time do they give you? Uh, it's, it's enough time, a reasonable amount of time, a decent amount of time. First thing I do, do research. You know, you, we cannot rely on our own brain. Uh, we only, our brain is a limited, uh, uh, it has a limited hard drive uh, and also has a limited bandwidth. <laughs> so we, <laughs> yeah. we need references. Uh, at times we are, uh, we are only as good as our references, you know, and we need research and we have to understand also what we research. So if you don't like books, if you don't like reading, I think it would be tough for a VizDev, for you to become a VizDev artist. I think for me, I love history. I love, uh, you know, I love the mechanics. W once we do research, you have to understand not just, it's, it's not always about the pretty drawing. Uh, it's not just about the big castle and a tiny stick man looks epic. <laughs> it will go through. It's beyond that. Um, there's That probably is only 10% of what they need in the film. Not everything has to be establishing shot. You know, you have yeah. to research on how can you show a kitchen of a mom who just lost her kid. Show that in the environment that once you see it, that's the perception of the audience that they see it. They see the emotion, the sadness and the mood. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of those things has to be understood and has to be internalized by the artist first and foremost. So research is, plays a big part. Functionality. Uh, believability of everything, you know. Sometimes it doesn't really work. Uh, mechanics may not work, but it looks functional. It will, it will fly. You know, Star Wars um, does that a lot. Then, then we come back again after a week, and uh, maybe the directors would require a check-in in between to see, you know, if you want to show us some of your. Uh, work in progress. Or if not, you know, if they trust you more, then let's just, you know, meet up in a week and, and see what you've got. By then, do you already have a bunch of concepts laid out? Or are you still like really rough in all your ideas and you're showing them just like 20, yeah. 20 brainstorm ideas, everything's super loose just to see where which direction to go to next? Yeah, normally on the first round, it's like it's very blue sky. I mean, again, okay. it depends. Most of the time, if something haven't been developed yet, you'll show um, some of the the initial thoughts and and uh, ideas that you have. Uh, but there are some moments also when there's a, a a need for something that oh, we really need to get this one done, and we really need to nail it down in a week. If okay. that's as, as if there are moments expressing as that, then you need more check-ins uh, mm -hmm. during the week. Um, so you guys can massage uh, the designs as a team as opposed to you by yourself. And so sometimes you work on both characters and environments. Yes, the crossover. When, when, when people say I'm a generalist, right? It means they can do both. The signal you're telling me that 
Oh, so you mean to say you're a black belt in character design and you're also a black belt in environment. Make sure that when you show me your portfolio, you are a black belt on both, right? So that's why I always encourage specialization. But if like for me, I specialize in environment design. It doesn't mean that I can take my guard down in, in character design. I still have to sharpen my tools, right? Sharpen yeah. my skills in anatomy and all those things. I have a good handle on those. It's just that that's not my specialization. And, and in production or pre-production, the crossover happens, uh, you know, whenever we do uh, keyframe illustrations, you know, this um, beautiful inspirational uh, moments from a sequence, you know, that, that painting would represent a sequence of the film. Yes. Um, and we have to create those moments that we have. Like for me, an environmental designer, if I get tasked to do a, um, a keyframe illustration, I have to make sure that the poses, the gestures of the characters in this beautiful in- environment uh, will be able to evoke that emotion and mood that I'm trying to tell the audience. Um, it's all about the audience perception. If it's, it's like telling a joke, right? If your audience didn't laugh it means they didn't get the joke <laughs> so there was a breakdown so so if you're if we are telling something an illustration we have to have a handle on both environment and character even though we specialize on on one of those you've mentioned mood and emotion a few mm-hmm. times a good deal of your energy goes into uh the big picture of how this feels i gather mm-hmm. that from what you've said you care about composition. Yes. For me, composition are four, four elements. Staging is always composition, but composition is not just about staging. You know, uh, lighting is part of composition, but right. not all composition is about lighting. Composition is interesting. It's like in music, right? In a music, if you're the composer, you have four in- you have multiple instruments. So mm-hmm. composition in art has multiple instruments too. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a combination of uh, perspective, which is your camera uh, in real life, um, oh, values, which is actually lighting in real life, mm-hmm. color, well, obviously color is color, and uh, staging, where the placement of your elements within a shot. So you have to manipulate all four by learning how to manipulate and, and measure how these four instruments work and what kind of perception that the audience would feel, you'll be able to control the perception of your audience. You just have to learn how to measure them. Uh, And you can do everything if you master all four. I'm not saying I'm a master, but if 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 you grow into how to use all four, uh, you'll be able to create anything you want. You can create any mood, any emotion, any kind of perception that you want your audience to perceive. That's great. That, uh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. It's an attitude of you've got control of the elements mm-hmm. and you can do what you want to. And what's your favorite parts? The creation itself. You know, I think we're all born that we have that creativity in, embedded in us. We all have imagination, right? Mm-hmm. It just so happened that uh, one person, his imagination can be translated probably into math, uh, a formula. Another person, he can... Uh, you know, dispense that imagination through cooking. Uh, for me, uh, I'm so glad that whatever I can imagine, I can, you know, 
I'm able to translate that using my arms and my finger. And, you know, and every time I do something, I always have fun with it. You know, it's, it's, it's like working, you know, like, like when you were, when we were kids, right. We enjoy drawing. That's why they look great. You know, we enjoy that. And I think it, it can get lost into the pressures of deadlines and, you know, production. <laughs> but I think if we always tap into our child self you know we we would enjoy what we do i think we i think we grew up that's the that's the biggest part the the biggest factor that kept us from being creative is we become too sophisticated right oh yeah. i'm a grown up person but i think we have to tap always on our childlike creativity in order to come up with something you know really fun and new the, the hardest part of it is the pressure and the deadlines yeah. You know, once once you get used to it, I think anything that we do in this world, there's always deadlines, right? You know, whether you're a doctor, whether whatever we do, there's not there with Marshall's perspective, of course. That doesn't have a deadline. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I got it covered, man. <laughs> yeah. I got he's, through. Yeah, he's figured out a way to get rid of deadlines. Yep. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a, class, it's another man. story, Armin. It's not for now. It's not oh, for now. Yeah, we want to know that. Oh, <laughs> well, the audience already knows all about it. But, um, but okay, so so the deadlines really are the, the worst part of the job, or is there anything else? You know what? I... I I'm not saying that the deadline is the worst part. I think deadline is good because mm -hmm. we tend to we tend to uh, everybody's different. You know, yeah. some some people are more legalistic on their time frame. Some people are more relaxed on their time frame. I'm more, uh, and, and my wife could attest to this. I'm more uh, of the person wherein I'm very legalistic with deadline. You know, mm -hmm. if you set Friday as my deadline, I'll do everything in my power to reach that deadline. If yeah. I need to work a little bit longer, I will do so. Mm -hmm. uh, if I finish the job early, uh, every now and then I still keep checking on it and thinking, what else can I do more? Uh, and I always wanted to add something. You know, if they're asking me, two things on my deadline, I'll give them at least three or four. Yeah. Uh, it's a good discipline, you know, to aim a little bit higher than what's expected. So if I can brag a little bit, I've in, in my 30 years in the industry, I never I never miss a deadline. That's something that uh, you, you have to learn. Uh, so school is a good, you know, when you're in college, I, I believe sometimes we can throw away a lot of things that we learn in college. But I think one of the best things that you can bring with you by going into a school is the discipline part of it, that you have to turn in your homework. That mentality and that discipline will breed professionalism in the industry, you know. So and yeah. once once you, you set that standard uh, and reputation um you know obviously they will hire you back you know they would be happy to of course on top of being a nice guy to inside the yeah. studio yeah and doing killer work you, uh, yeah so so the professionalism your skill set and your attitude uh, i believe yeah. those are the three things you have to um, keep on a higher standard so i think the the purpose of that question is not to to you know say bad things about the job, but really to give students that are entering the space a realistic expectation of what, what it's going to be like and so that mm -hmm. they could be prepared for those difficult parts of the job. So, is there mm -hmm. any other advice you would give to, to, to people that are about to become concept artists um, about the challenges of it and how they could get prepared so they're not blindsided by something that, you know, they have these dream-like uh, visions of what it's like to be a concept mm -hmm. artist, but then they get into reality and like, oh, what? 
anything like that 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 they can prepare for? Number one is, oh, I'm an introvert, you know, and and how can I survive in the industry? And I I work with a lot of introverts, you know, in the industry. The only thing you have to get out of our shells for is when we need to, of course, number one, we need to interact with a lot of people. Animation is a team. If we say it's a game, you have to be a team player. You cannot be just in your shell and just be on your own and expect that everything will work yeah. out. You still have to come out of that shell at least a little bit and be able to express yourself. So so my students, if I don't care what their personalities are, I try to squeeze something out of them and train them. You have to pitch your story to me. I think the early training that they could get in getting out of that shell, especially in pitching your story, just getting your ideas into the table, then you can go back to your shell. <laughs> you know, as long as you can do that uh, and, and talk to the people around you in a in a kind way, respectful way, that you know, that's that thing that's so important. Uh, skill set you can always sharpen your skills, right? You know, but that attitude thing is a big deal because that's a real relational. That's where you build those relationships. Even if you're the best artist in the world, but if I can work with you. Personally, I have no, you know, there's no relationship, then what's the point? You know, there's a million other artists waiting for that same job. I think that's the, I think that's one of the biggest thing that I would tell them, just get out of your shell a little bit, you know, for, for a time being, then you can go back into that shell afterwards. Yeah, because a lot of people, yeah, when they imagine that job, all they're focused on is that creative aspect of it. Oh, I'm going to be making my art. I'm going to be mm-hmm. doing the stuff. And they don't, they probably don't imagine the the part about communicating with the team mm-hmm. and having to present their ideas to their boss. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, Marshall, I had Vance uh, surprise my students always at the end yeah. of my class and yeah. I said oh we have a guest speaker here and this is this is the person you guys gonna pitch your uh, stories to and really? they would be surprised <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, it's, it's like you know it's like in the real world when yeah. when you know someone you don't know an executive will come into the building okay let's sh- you know we have to pitch you know our project to uh, that person, yeah. uh, person that you don't know about, um, yeah. then, you know, so you have to deal with those inner workings, your, your nervousness and, you know, your emotions. Yeah. Vance told us last night, we, we did our last of the concept art bootcamp last night and he took us through, mm-hmm. there were four options to the assignments. One was character design. Another was environment mm-hmm. design. Another was prop design. He did demos of each kind and then keyframes where it's, mm-hmm. you're going to just create the whole mood. And he said that, uh, he was surprised at one pitch that Bob Iger was there. They let him know that Bob Iger was going to be, yeah, you deal with the sudden nervousness that you're pitching to someone that you have not anticipated being there when you were getting ready for this. Yeah, and, and sometimes those people are someone you don't know, someone who's big and you know, oh my gosh, this person I'm, I'm pitching to that, he's going to be in the room yeah. or... Or a famous person, you know, maybe you're you're starting becoming a fan. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Glenkin is in the room. Can I ask for an yeah. autograph? <laughs> so <laughs> you get distracted, right? If, if those personalities in the room, but you have to learn how to control those emotions and take hold of yourself and be professional about, you know, uh, the job. It brings up the whole nervousness issue, but it's a whole other topic. Armin, thank you. This yeah. was great to have advice from you. You are seasoned and industry professional. 
and people will be uh, seeing your work. Uh, do you teach? Yes, I do. I do teach my mentorship program. Uh, I do it personally. It's through my website. I announce it on my social network. It's a nine-week uh, intensive mm. program uh, for both character designers and environmental artists. Yeah, thank you so much, Armin. This this was extremely helpful. I think people are going to get a, a lot out of it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 yeah thank you so much. Really good appreciate it. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, good to, good to see both of you. Hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I met Kirsten Zern-Gibble about 11 years ago, and you are now a number of kinds of artists, including a concept artist? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a concept artist, but I'm also a 3D artist, an art director, and a game developer since I'm making my own video game now. So, nice. um, so concept art is one of, my, one of my hats. Do you do character design? Some. I haven't actually done much in the past couple of years. So I'm mostly I'm mostly environments and props and kind of my I, I've been specializing more in like hard surface and um yeah, environment type work. Tell us your day-to-day what is it like to be a concept artist? You know, it really depends on the nature of the assignment. Sometimes it's uh just rendering, in which in case I just want to sit down and crank, and other times it's um you have to kind of get ideas going. So I'll often kind of spend some time just looking at my trove of references I've built up, or sometimes the art director will provide a brief, which is you know a, a selection of the reference they've found. And the briefs often point out your here's what we like about this kind of thing or that kind of thing. They don't always involve concept artists in in the meetings directly when they when they talk about the work. Sometimes they have the meeting. Then the art director's job is to relay what happened in the meeting back to the artist. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of my work has just been either done through email or um, something like Basecamp, something like that's sort of like a forum where you post work. The people who are responsible for reviewing the work will just view the work there. And when I finish the work that people need, I will often write an email explaining you know, what, what I did, it's, it's important to label your work. Like a big part of concept art is not just drawing and painting. It's the graphic design of laying out your concepts and mm. writing in the ideas and how things, you know, how things work, because what you're making is what I, what I kind of like to call meeting fodder is mm. you're, you're making, you're making things that other people are going to be meeting over. And it's a, it's a point of discussion. And so you need to be very clear about what the idea is so that not just not Often art directors have an art background so they can read rough sketches and figure things out. But someone who doesn't have that background needs really clear layout. When you are getting ready to start, are you more inclined to start sketching before you research or do you start research before you sketch? How does that balance? It's kind of nice to put down some raw ideas before researching just to... To, to get them out and and to sometimes I don't want to bias myself with the with the research, but don't don't spend too long doing that. It's really it's a really good idea to research early on, and I often find that the the novelty of what I find in my research is um, is higher than what I would have just come up with from my head alone. So one of the things I remember was that when Pinterest was new. <laughs> <laughs> you had the most incredible Pinterest of any human on the planet. Do I like you how you say that. Pinterest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pinterest. How, how many was it? Was it the amount of posts or pages or whatever it was that you were telling me that you had before some people even knew what it was? It was like 30,000. 30,000 30, 30, posts? 
Or pins? The 30,000 pins. Pins, so okay, images. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this, was, this was years ago that you had 30,000 pins. And do you still have your Pinterest? I do, but I don't use it as much. And okay. part of the reasons is it's not as good as it used to be. But also, I'm just, I realize that there, there is, there's kind of a diminishing returns for, for looking at things. And I think that back then, I, um, I didn't have the balance fully right. I was almost over researching rather than researching and doing. And I would, I would get this rush of, of ideas from looking at things because so much of me to creativity is about analogy making and metaphor. It's like you can look at two unlike things and trying to find a conceptual bridge between those. There's a rush to that when I realized, oh, I could do this cool thing by combining this thing and this thing. It would all be happening in my head. And if you're not getting it down, then like, <laughs> you know. Not- real. Yeah, it it was fun. But uh, and so I still have it. And I've got this bulk downloader so I can download all of them. And I still use a lot of the the stuff I found. It's definitely useful, I think, for finding your voice as an artist is finding like, you know, when you've accumulated a lot of here's all the things I love. And then when you're looking at enough of it, you go like, what are the things in common here? Like what, you know, what are are the threads that, that are holding these together? Why am I so drawn to this one over this one? And Pinterest is a good exercise to do if you feel like you don't you know have a voice or vision yet because there are a lot of edge cases on Pinterest like do I pin this or not mm-hmm. and then you think you know why am I on the fence about this and that's that those those difficult decisions are like help you understand like what you know what you're about let's go to the ideation part the the things you do in your sketchbook because you will pour out thumbnail after thumbnail after thumbnail that printed sketchbook that you have that I've shown students was an example of here's someone who just generates image after image after image. Uh, Do you still do that? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't use a sketchbook as much as I use um, the iPad now, um, but I do do the same, the same kind of thing. Yeah. That's a big part of being a concept artist is being able to iterate on ideas and do it very quickly is your your job is to help is to help the team hone in on what they want. And a lot of people, I'd say most people don't know what they want until they've seen all the possibilities. Working working small and working fast is is uh, definitely part of that. And the sketchbook is it's so easy to just fill a page because um, what I found is that there is a dance between depiction and description. So you 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 make a thing, you make you you make a form, and sometimes even a mistake in the form, you'll try to figure out, okay, how do how do I fix this mistake with with something else? And when you fix that, it you know it changes the form, and you realize that that fix could be a functional thing and you go, okay, if that's the function, and then you might label that as like, this is the function. Well, if that's the function, um, then that that's some other information about the world. And then, but that needs a depiction too. It's like, so um, I, I don't think I did a very good job of explaining that. Um, I think you did a good job. Okay, let me you- make sure I understood it. That You've got the idea and it sort of, it, it brings up a potential problem of what does it do? And there's a back and forth oscillation going between what you come up with and how you're going to solve the next problem. Yeah, you make a form, you figure out, a, you you say, this looks like this would do that. And so you've got now a function, so you can write down what the function is. But now that function, um, now that function prompts another form. 
Okay. Um, and, and, and so it just, they keep, I, I like to liken it to like bacteria growing in a Petri dish as you start with like a drawing or a statement and each, each drawing or statement prompts another one to, to, to help explain what's going on. And it kind of grows outward until your page is full. So this is my sketchbook. Um, so this, this is the example of kind of where it starts is these really rough ideas, little forms based on, you know, the rough idea of, of, of something I want. And I will uh, write descriptions for those and the descriptions will often lead to more drawings. And uh, I'll do little thumbnails and, and it prevents, working so small prevents me from being tempted to go into too much complexity and too much detail right away. I'll think here, I'll, I'm even like thinking about the metaphysics of the world. Like my world building style is bottom up rather than uh than top down uh so like i think about sort of the if i'm making a world i think about how it works in like the fundamental like physics level and then i'll go up to you know the cosmology and then geology and then biology and then anthropology in case of humanoid occupants and then culture and then then that's when i start thinking about the individual uh, map making is also really useful sometimes it just really helps you think about what's uh, what's important in the world, like how, how the world kind of works. When I make my scenes, um, I start with the individual components. It's sort of like, it's like playing with Legos, but you're designing your own Lego pieces. And so these are the Legos. You guys may have heard of, you know, kit bashing as, um, as, a, as a thing. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of making the things that I'm going to bash together later on. It's an example of like a final image where I have 3D modeled some of these things and put them all together would be something like like, um, wow, like this, cool. I kind of compose it as I go in 3D, but a lot of my components came from what I was doing in the sketchbook. And oftentimes kind of the, the overall composition was was that a lot of my illustration is being done in 3D. There's still times when it's faster to just use 2D if you're doing concept art. In terms of pipeline, back to pipeline, I have some examples of like the game I'm working on. This is a top-down view. So, you know, back to map making. Once I have my components and I, I'm now I'm trying to figure out how those all fit together to make an environment. So this is an example of one of those environments. You can kind of see what the, the 3D looks like in the game. These are some of the individual uh, game prop objects that I've modeled. The final look is uh, going to be 360 panoramas. So, oh, wow. um, so, so yeah, so the, it's sort of like um, the old school Mist, Mist style games. So yeah. what they look like is this, and this is actually, it's very, I'm still trying to get used to composing for 360. See how distorted this is? <laughs> it's because this whole image is being mapped onto a sphere. And so that's how you're able to get this um, feeling that you're being surrounded completely by, uh, by the environment. So yeah, my, my individual kind of art pipeline is draw, figure out what you're doing, model. And oftentimes there's kind of a feedback loop between drawing and, uh, and 3D for me where I'm modeling this scene here and I want this to be my camera angle. I will just take a screenshot of that, go into Photoshop, figure out what I want to change in 2D, then use that as my reference when I go back into 3D. So it's sort of like I'm alternating between being my own concept artist and then going into 3D and you know, implementing what I designed and then using that as a jump off point for the next round of concept art. What is your favorite part about being a concept artist? 
I would say definitely the the blue sky phase. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people would probably yeah. probably answer that. Every, everybody <laughs> wants the blue sky. But yeah, it's when the client, they're like, we have a rough idea of the kind of world we want, but we we want you to figure out like how this world would actually work. We don't we don't just want you to flesh out some some existing entity that we know. We want you to come up with the entities. And so mm. some of my favorite jobs, like there's this one um at a big tech company and I'm not allowed to show the work yet, but it was where they, they literally like, they just, this company has kind of a R and D department where they just want to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks mm. and the ability to like, they're like, here's a bunch of money, make something cool. Make, and, and I realized <laughs> like, I'm not just doing a, I'm not just doing concept art at that point. I was doing game design. I was figuring out the functionality of the very core of how, this software would work and that was just there was such a rush to that i i um i definitely want to do more work like that that's kind of it kind of gets more into like art direction and ux and i am actually doing art direction for uh, another project right now see what's interesting about me is i i'm not i'm not just a concept artist so now that i'm making my own game i'm all i'm every part of the pipeline so Mm -hmm. i have to be my own art director and i have to also um, you know, I have people working for me, helping to, to make it happen. So I have to communicate and coordinate all that stuff. So when you say pipeline, there's art pipeline, then there's like the whole thing kind of pipeline. Kristen, do you have an, do you have an ideal job ahead? You, since you wear many hats and do many things, do you have something you could say that you will not be seeking anything else once you're doing this? I think my ideal job is actually... Um, indie developer is making my own experiences and like my ideal job would be having my own studio and making bigger and better games yeah if that was the case who would you be looking for to help you with it what kind of people do you seek <laughs> what kind of concept uh, artists would you hire is that what you're asking concept artists and, and other people too because you need you need coders and other things too don't you oh yeah um I would definitely be looking at looking for people who have a, a lot of different skills rather than specialists. I'd be looking for generalists. If I were to to hire a concept artist, I would want them to also know um, 3D modeling. Uh, the, the reason why is if you're scaling, a, a smaller companies tend to want people who have a broader skill set because you're you have less less irons in the fire at once often where you can't afford to hire a specialist to just do one thing because there's so many different things you need done so yeah you know if i if i were to become the next ea or something then i might start looking for more specialized people but um but yeah uh right right now would be people where i'd really be looking for people who shared a vision uh, in the world who understood you know the the broader almost philosophy of like what what I'm trying to express and trying to accomplish with the project. Mm-hmm. People who are good communicators, a huge part of concept art is communication. It's not just about being a good artist. I would rather have someone whose drawing skills are not at the pinnacle of human achievement, but who are able to write and lay out and get other people to instantly know like what, what needs to happen with whatever it is. Okay. Well, that, that that's wonderful. Now, how, how do people get hold of you? And do, do you teach or demo 
or something that if people want to know more about what you're doing, they can find you? The, the, one of the best ways to get a hold of me is through Discord, as I have a Discord server. If you if you want to follow the game project, it, it is um, in topolis.com and you can get the link to the Discord server on there. And um, the best way to like, you know, just follow my work is kirstenzerngable.com. It's basically my name.com. And if you go to kirstenzerngable.com, there is a link there to my email address um, under about. So you can email me from my website. And yeah, I um, am out there. Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much, Kirsten. Thank you so much, Kirsten. It was a pleasure to meet you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Have a good day, guys. We'll keep in touch. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for being with us. I hope you learned from concept artists. Stan, anything else you want to say? <laughs> I hope you learned from concept artists. Uh, yeah, no, I hope you guys have a better idea of what it's like to be a concept artist. And if you want yeah. to be one, then, you know, this gives you a little insight into what it's like to be one. Anyway, cool. Thanks, okay. guys, for listening. Great. See y'all. Bye.